Hello, City First Church family, and I want to just say hi to all of you joining us online right now. You know, Jen and I really miss you guys a ton, and we wish that our entire church could be meeting right now in person. Um, we are proactively planning, though, I want you to know this, on how to regather at all of our locations. And I want to say this, praise God, Cape Coral, you right now are meeting in person. We have the ability to meet at that location because in Florida, that state opened up a lot sooner than Illinois. And so you guys are gathered together and soon, soon all of City First will be gathered in person on weekends for our worship services. But we want you guys to remember this, okay, is that church has never been closed. Even though we have not been able to meet in person for our worship services, City First has been proactively, proactively being the church in our communities. And that's why we love you, City First Church. Do you know that, that this week alone, we have given out over 60,000 pounds of food to those in need. We are in our communities during this time and we are making a difference. So we are now relaunching in-person life groups though. So there is a way to gather and groups are starting to meet and gather now that the restrictions have been lifted both in Illinois and Florida and we really do need to be together. So if you've not jumped in to a group, please do so, all right? Prayerfully, we'll be gathering on weekends, but in the meantime, let's make sure that we're gathering in groups. I cannot wait. Now, it has been a difficult week in America. And today, Jen and I decided that we're gonna do something a little bit different, uh, a little different than what we normally do. And as the pastors of City First, we decided to prayerfully put the new series that we had planned on hold. And here's the reason why. We wanna talk from our hearts today about what is going on in our nation. And even though that today's message is very relevant to our current environment, it is also a message that is even beyond what has been going on in these last few weeks. But rather, as Christ followers, this message is for us in every season of life. You know, our hearts have been broken over many things that have happened in our nation, most recently with the evil and senseless killing of George Floyd. You know, the subsequent outcry of our black brothers and sisters, many of them are angry, frustrated, hurt, and once again reminded that this country has woven into its fabric a system which creates disadvantage. You know, Jar and I have spoken with black families in our church as well as friends around the nation, and there is much hurt. We have spoken with those who are in law enforcement, have relatives in law enforcement, and they are hurt. We have business owners in our church whose businesses have been looted, and they are hurt. And our hearts are breaking because there is so much pain and anger and hurt and desperation, and understandably so. So I think the big question there is, what do we do now? And where do we go from here? Well, today, I want us all to take a moment and realize that where there's hurt and pain and anger and rage, there's actually something much greater going on. And for some, what I'm about ready to say may seem really strange. But the problem here is not another person. 
It is not a group of people. The real problem here is the enemy of our souls is at work, proactively at work, not only in our communities, but in our nation. You see, Jesus spoke to the fact that there's a very real devil who has an agenda for our lives. And I'm going to quote Jesus here. This is what he said. In John 10.10, Jesus says, the thief, meaning Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, the enemy is the one that puts sin, the sin of racism, and the misbeliefs of racism in the hearts of people. He is the one that wants us to be divided, to hurt each other. He's the one that wants us to build up walls of bitterness and resentment and to hate one another. You see, the enemy is working right now in our communities and in our nation because there is much brokenness. And that is the signature of the enemy. You see, we've seen this week a lot of brokenness in our communities and in our nation. And make no mistake about it, the enemy is behind all of it. So today, I want us to look at a story in the Bible that I believe that we could all learn from. It is a story that takes place in the Old Testament about a man by the name of Nehemiah. And this is a story about a man who has a burden. He has a burden that causes him to build up something new. And you know, let me give you a little bit of background on the story. Let me, let me kind of FedEx it to you. See, Nehemiah, he was a cupbearer by profession for King Artaxerxes. Now, as a cupbearer, what you would do is you would actually test the food for the king and drink the drink to make sure there's no poison in it. So this was a position of trust. And well before Nehemiah's time in 722 BC, the king of Israel was conquered by the king of Assyria, and most of the people of Israel were taken into exile and were forced to be slaves in another land. So Nehemiah has grown up in this other land. He's never been in his homeland before. And about 90 years before Nehemiah was born, Jewish exiles began to have permission to go back to Jerusalem where they originally had come from hundreds of years before. So one day, Nehemiah is talking to some of his fellow countrymen, and he hears a report that the city of Jerusalem is in terrible condition. The walls of the city had been broken down, and they were laying in ruins. So if you guys have your Bible with you, which I hope you do, um, or if you have your electronic Bible with you, I want you to go ahead and open up to the book of Nehemiah. And, you know, this is actually a great time. If you're new here to City First Church um, and you're kind of like, I don't have a Bible. Well, there is this amazing resource called YouVersion that you can download onto your phone. And it has amazing resources for you as um, you're growing in your faith. So go ahead and download that as well. Um, But we're going to start reading in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses two through four. And this is what it says. It says, and this is Nehemiah speaking. It says, I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. So people had come back um, to where Nehemiah was. And he starts asking questions about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. 
So here's Nehemiah. He has a good life, okay? He has a job, a trusted job, um, you know, helping the king out, like Jared said. He's working for him. Um, he's probably kind of comfy. But this is what Nehemiah does. He starts asking questions. He becomes curious about what's going on. He doesn't close himself off. He actually opens himself up to hear the not-so-pretty truth. You know, there's great trouble for the people of Israel. The people are in disgrace. Things are broken down. The gates have been burned with fire. In other words, there is brokenness. And I want to point out something in verse 4. And it says this, when he heard these things, when he heard these things, you guys know this, that we can't hear if we're not listening. And so as we're in this time right now, I'm going to encourage you guys to start asking questions. Have a heart that wants to understand the brokenness of others and where they're at. See, Nehemiah exposed his heart to the things that would make it ache. And church, I'm asking us to do the same. See, Nehemiah's curiosity and question asking begins to create what we call a burden, a heaviness on his heart. And this burden sets him on a path and it begins with prayer. So what does he pray? We find this in verses five through seven in chapter one. So let's keep reading. It says, then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my family's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. A burden from God does two things. A burden calls you to prayer and a burden calls you to action. A burden causes you to kneel and a burden causes you to stand. You see, Nehemiah made a bold request to the king, his boss, you could say, to get permission to leave the safe circumstances he was living in and to go to Jerusalem and fix the brokenness. You see, a burden calls us out of our comfort zones. Someone needs to stand in the gap. In fact, in another part of the Old Testament, God is speaking to his people and he says this. It's found in the book of Ezekiel. I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. This is one of the most depressing verses, somber, solemn verses in the word of God. God is looking for someone to take on a burden, to get on their knees, and then to stand in the gap. There's no better group of people to stand in the gap between the brokenness and the solution than the church of Jesus Christ. You see, not the building, the church, the people, the church. We are commissioned to stand in the gap, in the brokenness on behalf of God between brokenness and to leverage a solution. We are solution bringers. Do you understand that, City First? Typically, people are not motivated by something that does not personally affect them. But it is not so with the church. We are to step out of our comfort zones and to stand in the gap 
and build. And you know, once Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem, he personally begins to walk among the broken pieces of the wall. See, you cannot solve a problem you are not willing to personally get up close to. You know, this week has been full of conversations for us with people impacted by the events that have taken place in our nation. And I have cried with people on the phone as people have processed and shared their burdens, their concerns, their fears, and their inner turmoil with me. Sometimes there was silence. And sometimes there were tears. Sometimes deep frustration and exhaustion. You know, it would have been easier for Nehemiah in this story to stay in his castle, in his comfort. But instead, he walked into his fears, okay? There even, there's a part of the story where he's like praying to God, help me not be afraid to go do what I'm supposed to do. He walked into his fears. He left the familiar, the comfortable, and then he walked into the brokenness. And that's where we're called to be as well. We're not called to be comfortable. We're called to build. And building gets messy, you guys. And it's work. It's hard work. You know, when you're working hard, you get dirt under your fingernails and you get holes in your jeans and you sweat. And here at City First Church, we don't want to wear church clothes. We want to wear work clothes. We want to wear work clothes. And we as your leaders, we are committed to listening, to learning, and growing. And we want to challenge you to do the same. You know, read some books, have some conversations, do the hard work of asking God how you can be the best builder possible. You know, um, some of you might not know this about our story, but our youngest son, Paxton, was born with Down syndrome. And when that kind of, you know, entered into our world, special needs, we could tell that there were some people that didn't quite know what to do with that. You know, some people kind of stood off at a distance. Some people were unsure of what to say. But you know what spoke volumes to us is when people, even when they would maybe say the wrong thing, they didn't quite know what to say. They would come up to us and they would ask us and they would get involved in our story and they would come up close. Guess what? We weren't like, why didn't you say things the right way? Why, why are you doing this to us? No, we were like, thank you for entering our story. Thank you for wanting to be curious and figure it out, like, and be next to us and close to us in this journey. You know, I think for us in this season, a good question to ask ourselves might be this. Are you proactively trying to understand the problem before you form your opinion? You know, love gets up close. Love is curious. Love does not just stand far away and hope for better, but rather love runs in. Love approaches the problem. Jesus never stood far away from a need and said, I just hope they get better. But rather, he walked right into the middle of the brokenness and the mess, and he began to go to work. It is faith and works. After Nehemiah finished walking through the rubble, he immediately does something. He gathers people around the common goal of rebuilding a brand new wall. They decided to do this. 
they decided to unify. And can I just take a moment and tell you, church, that God can only bless unity. God cannot bless something that is fractioned, something that has division, because the word division is division, two visions, but rather instead, God will only bless what is unified. How do we unify? Under the name of Jesus, and in the name of Jesus, we unify with his love, and we go into the mess. We go into the struggle. We find ourselves going close to the brokenness, not standing far away. One time read a book about that Jesus had dirty feet. In other words, he walked in the path of the people. You see, Nehemiah, he couldn't, he couldn't do this on his own. No matter how many good intentions he had, he could not rebuild the wall by himself. He needed others to jump in. And so how did they rebuild the wall? Well, it says in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 28, each one repaired the section, listen, immediately across from his home. So how did they repair the wall? They repaired the wall by everyone walking out the front door of their house and taking ownership of what was right outside of their door. Do you hear this? So how do we do that? That's our neighbors. That's our coworkers. Those are our fellow students. Those are the people that are right already in our sphere of life and influence. Could we start seeing them through Jesus's eyes? I guarantee you this. There are people hurting right out front of your door, right where you live. You do not have to go to the other side of the world to find need. You can find it right where you live. So can we own our zone? Can we own our zone? By God's grace, Jen and I want to own our zones. I want to show love. I want to practice godly acts of kindness. I want to give away the hope that Jesus has given to me. I want to bless others with the blessing that God has already given to me. Now I realize this may sound blindly optimistic. I realize some of you right now are like, this is so blindly optimistic, but no, it is truth. You may think the need is too big for you to do something, but that's not true. Nehemiah and the people face this reality also. They started to look at the rubble and the brokenness and thought, it's too much. In fact, it says in Nehemiah chapter four, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. There are people right now that are exhausted. There are people that are exhausted because of the brokenness that racism has caused for centuries. There are people that are exhausted right now. And I realize that there are many people just saying, I don't know if we can even make a difference. That is not true. The enemy would love us to buy into his lie that there cannot be a difference. Yes, the task is overwhelming, but we must do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. So when you start looking out your front door, when you start owning your zone, you start seeing the needs that are all around you. And yes, sometimes it's easy to get overwhelmed, but here's a truth that I want you to remember. Just start with someone, a conversation with someone of a different race. 
a conversation with someone who is on the quote-unquote other side. You see, just because there's too much need, that does not give us permission to do nothing at all. You know, and as we are... Um doing the work and building the wall, there's going to be times where we encounter resistance and the enemy is going to make sure of it. You know, before and during the rebuild of the walls, Nehemiah encountered opposition. It says in Nehemiah chapter two, verse 10, when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, about the rebuilding of the walls, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Do you know this, that the enemy will always become disturbed when you try to promote the welfare of someone in the name of Jesus. If you want to awaken hell, start standing in the gap for people. Start trying to make a difference by tearing down strongholds in your families and neighborhoods and communities. I just want to remind us of something, that the enemy is more than happy to keep people broken. But what did Nehemiah do in the face of adversity? He just kept building. When we are trying to rebuild broken things in the name of Jesus, whether that be a relationship that we have, maybe it's a situation in your family, maybe it's a a situation in your workplace or community, maybe the broken thing is small, or maybe it seems insurmountable like what we've been experiencing this week. But no matter the context or the size of the problem, I want to encourage you today to just keep building. Just keep building. I want you to hear this response from Nehemiah to the enemy that kept taunting him over and over. This is in chapter 2, verse 20. It says this, Then I replied to them, The God of heaven will make us prosper, and we his servants will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. I love this. He speaks of who God is, then he does the work, and then he remembers that the enemy has no portion, no right or claim in the work that he is building. See, Sanballat and Tobiah, they wanted to discourage and distract Nehemiah. But he kept the long view in mind. He didn't sway from the goal to rebuild the broken wall. So how do we rebuild something? Brick by brick, stone by stone, one day at a time, one week at a time, one month at a time. Oh, it's not glamorous, church. It's not a magic pill, but it takes focus on the long haul. So as we begin to close today, I would ask you, what is your personal responsibility? What is my personal responsibility? What's Jen's personal responsibility? Let's look in the mirror and ask God, show us What is our responsibility and how to carry this burden? The burden of the brokenness of other people. How do we stand in the gap? How do we begin to rebuild? You see, our words and actions either build things up or tear things down. We can build bridges in this season and beyond. We can build up people. We can build unity. We can build our community. Most importantly, we can build the work of the church, the eternal work of the church by telling others about Jesus. 
or, or we can tear each other down, or we can tear our communities in two, or we can say and do things that begin to tear us apart at the seams. You know, it's, it's really not hard to tear something down, but it takes a ton of effort to build something up. There is no shortage of critics in our world. There is a great need for builders. There's a great need for those that get a burden from Jesus and go stand in the gap. And they get on their knees and they stand and take action. You see, at City First, we have a burden to build. That's the name of today's message. Our burden to build in the name and through the love of Jesus. So as we close today, I ask you, in the light of what we've talked about, what is your responsibility as a Christ follower? What are you to do beginning today? I wanna pray with you, but before we close, I realize there may be some of you that are listening and you keep on hearing us talk about Jesus. And you may know that, that you know, he's the son of God. You may have heard that before. But I will tell you that, that he is the son of God and he came to earth to die on a cross. He stepped into the middle of our brokenness, our ugliness, our rebellion, our evil, our sin. He came right into the middle. He was not scared to do that because love was greater. And he stepped right into the middle of our brokenness and he walked to a cross and he paid the price for my sin and for yours. And he now wants a relationship with us, our sin to be removed and him to become the leader and the forgiver of our lives. I wanna give you an invitation to do that right where you're at, right now in your living room, on your smartphone, if you're gathering in an auditorium at Cape Coral, wherever you are at, if you wanna make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life, will you just go ahead and repeat this prayer after me? Because this prayer is saying, I confess my sin. I want it removed and forgiven. I embrace God, your unconditional love, and heaven someday is my home. But before then, I want you to put your purpose and your love in my life. So let's go ahead and pray. Just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I believe you died for me. I wanna live for you. I repent of my sin and all that I've done wrong. Come into my life and give me a new life. I embrace and accept your unconditional love for me. Thank you for dying for me, in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, that was the most important life-changing prayer that you've ever prayed. And in a moment here, you're gonna find out how you can get a free resource from Jen and myself that is gonna help you immensely with living out this faith and learning more about what God thinks about you. Now, before we close, I'm gonna ask Jen to stand with me and I want us to pray for not only our church, but our communities and our nation. We wanna pray that God would strongly intervene. But I wanna remind you, the way that God works is through you and I. So as we pray for change, 
we need to realize we are the change. We are Jesus's hands and feet extended to this world, showing love, building, and bringing hope. So will you join me right now in prayer? Will you believe with Jen and I right now in prayer? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we lift up to you this entire situation that is going on in our nation, not just this week, but has been going on for centuries. And Lord, we've prayed this multiple times, but where there has been great offense, there must be great repentance. So Lord, we right now as a church and as a people, we repent of our sins. We repent sometimes of our silence. We repent of our shortcomings. And we ask that God, that you would use us to be Nehemiah's, that we would be willing to leave comfort zones, that we would listen to the cries, that we would hear the brokenness, that we would leave our castles, you could say, and that we would march right into the middle of the rubble and we would stand in the gap, that we would not just get on our knees, but that we would stand, that we would take on the burden because Lord God, I can't help but think that right now you are weeping over the sin and the brokenness of your people. So Lord, I ask that you would come and enable us, equip us, empower us, help us to look out our front window and rebuild our portion of this wall. May we do our part. May it start in our neighborhood, in our community, in our workplace, and in our school. God, mobilize your church. May we be solution bringers, I pray. And Lord, when the enemy tries to taunt us, make us feel overwhelmed, I pray like Nehemiah, we'd remind the enemy that he has no place in this. But rather instead, we claim your victory, we claim your reconciliation, and we claim your wholeness in the name of Jesus over our communities and over our nation. We love you, Jesus. Come, God, in power, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, City First, for joining us today. We love you, and we will see you soon.